0: Hello there, social work, 6382 students. So here you are at the second podcast lecture for this week. And this is the podcast lecture that last week I said was going to be a little bit weird. And what I want to do first is kind of explain to you uh, a little bit. I want to, I guess, do a preface of sorts. So over the past couple of weeks, we've read chapter four, five, and six. And as I've been reading these chapters, I've been struck by the way that the authors of our textbook kind of describe working with communities, and they describe it in ways that seem to be very um, precise, uh, at times almost mechanized, I'd say, right? Very scientific in, in is another word that I might use for it, right? That there's this this method, this constellation of techniques that can be used to engage communities, and then a, a different collection of techniques that can be used to Gather data, and once the data is gathered, to analyze the data, and once the data is analyzed, to use our findings in different ways. And um, especially this week, right when I read about the again the charity organization society and the settlement house movement, these are so different. I-, I thought that there, I want it made me remember something. Uh, it made me think about and remember something that I had read a long, long time ago, and. I went and I found this thing that I had read a long, long time ago and reread it last week. And I remember thinking then, there's something in this that's important. Now, I can't tell you exactly what, I, what it is that is important, um, but I want to share something with you. It's a very short story. I'm going to read it out loud. It's called The Ethnographer. It's by a guy named Borges. His last name is spelled B-O-R-G-E-S. He's Argentinian. Um, and it's a very, very, very short, short story. Yeah, we'll be able to read it out loud very quickly here i'll also put a link to the text so if you want to read it yourself you can up on moodle and then uh, after i read it i'm going to ask you a question and then that's it um last thing that's kind of i guess an instruction of shorts here um sometimes i i gather that some of you when you're listening to these lectures that you're sitting there kind of like at your computer with a pen in hand taking notes because you don't want you want to write down the important stuff which is good sometimes to do that i i would probably do that if i was a student listening to podcast lectures for this lecture you don't need to do that you really don't all i want you to do is to listen to this just listen to it and then you know listen to the question at the end and that's it you don't need to write anything down Uh, if you want to write things down of course you can but you don't need to Um, If you want to read the thing, you don't need to write anything down. You're never going to be tested or quizzed on this thing. I just want you to be exposed to it. And then I want you to think about it. And then we're going to come to class and we're going to talk about what we think. You ready for this? Cool. Here is The Ethnographer by Borges. I was told about the case in Texas, but it had happened in another state. It has a single protagonist, though, in every story there are thousands of protagonists, visible and invisible, alive and dead. The man's name, I believe, was Fred Murdoch. He was tall, as Americans are. His hair was neither blonde nor dark. His features were sharp, and he spoke very little. There was nothing singular about him not even the feigned singularity that young men affect. He was naturally respectful, and he distrusted neither books nor the men and women who write them. He was at the age when a man doesn't know who he is and so is ready to throw himself into whatever chance puts in his way, Persian mysticism, or the unknown origins of Hungarian algebra, or the hazards of war, Puritanism, or orgy. At the university, an advisor had interested him in the American Indian languages. Certain esoteric rites still survived in the tribes out west. One of his professors, an older man, suggested that he go and live on a reservation, observe the rites, and discover the secret revealed by the medicine men to their initiates. When he came back, he would have his dissertation, and the university authorities would see to it that it was published. Murdoch leapt at the suggestion. One of his ancestors had died in the Frontiers War, and bygone conflict of race was now his link. He must have foreseen the difficulties that lay ahead of him, for he would have to convince the red man to accept him as one of their own. He set out upon a long adventure. He lived for more than two years on the prairie, sometimes sheltered by abode walls, and sometimes in the open. He rose before dawn went to bed at sundown and came to dream in a language that was not the language of his father's. He conditioned his palate to harsh flavors. He covered himself with strange clothing. He forgot his friends and the city. He came to think in a new fashion that the logic of his mind rejected. During the first few months of his new education, he secretly took notes. Later, he tore the notes up. Perhaps to avoid drawing suspicion upon himself, perhaps because he no longer needed them. After a period of time, determined upon in advance by certain practices, both spiritual and physical, the priest instructed Murdoch to start remembering his dreams and to recount them to him at daybreak each morning. The young man found that on nights of the full moon, he dreamed of buffalo. He reported these recurrent dreams to his teacher and the teacher at last revealed to him the tribe's secret doctrine. One morning, without saying a word to anyone, Murdoch left. In the city, he was homesick for those first evenings on the prairie when long ago he had been homesick for the city. He made his way to his professor's office and told him that he knew the secret but resolved not to reveal it. "'Are you bound by your oath?' the professor asked. "'That's not the reason.' Murdoch replied. I learned something out there that I can't express. The English language may not be able to communicate it, the professor suggested. And that's not it, sir. Now that I possess the secret, I could tell it in a hundred different, even contradictory ways. I don't know how to tell you this, but the secret is beautiful, and science, our science, seems more frivolity to me now. After a pause, he added. "'And anyways, the secret's not as important as the paths that led me to it. "'Each person has to walk those paths himself.' "'The professor spoke coldly. "'I'll inform the committee of your decisions. "'Are you planning to live among the Indians?' "'No,' Murdoch answered. "'I may not even go back to the prairie. "'What the men of the prairie taught me is good anywhere and for any circumstances.' "'That was the essence of their conversation.' Fred married, divorced, and is now one of the librarians at Yale. And that's it. That's the whole story. Like I said at the beginning of this, I think there's something in this. Not precisely sure what it is, um, but I wanted to share it with you and see if there's something in it for you. Something in it for you about working with communities. I don't know if there will or if there won't be. Um, You know, if there is, we'll talk about what's in it for you. And if there isn't, then we won't. Uh, And that's really it. Again, I'll put a link to the text up on Moodle. Thanks for listening to this. I'll see you in class on Wednesday.